0: Canucks Central Wednesday, it's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah with you for the next few hours here on Sportsnet 650 and on your favorite podcatcher. Glad you are joining us, however you are taking in Canucks. Central Sports at 650 Canucks Central is presented by your local grip auto entire location friendly service and expert advice are waiting for you at GripAuto.ca today Canucks forward JT Miller is going to join us in a few minutes sats and um, well it's uh, it's the topic that's kind of taken over the city in the last couple of days uh, with Elliot Friedman talking about how Canucks players are tired of trade rumors. Um, It's uh, kind of par for the course this time of year while we are uh, just under three weeks away from the trade deadline.
1: I mean, it it is part of life in the NHL, right? That's what's going to happen. There are going to be trade rumors. And I think what's different about this time around is that the rumors have been raging on since the new regime took over. They've been going on for over 30 games, you know what I mean? So it's like, this is something that has been ongoing for a long time. And had the Canucks not got off to this poor start and had they not made the changes and this talk about clearing cap space and, you know, doing some, making some moves and changing, you know, the outlook and the trajectory of this team, there has been incessant conversation or rumor, uh, rumors have come out. There's been speculation and discussion because, That's kind of been the course the team was kind of on after the first 25 games of the season. So usually this type of trade talk takes off around, say, you know, January or February. This time around, this time is usually when things really get going. This has been going on since December. So I think the fact that it's been going on for so long leads to some of this frustration.
0: Well you know, front offices don't get changed in season if things are all (laughs) roses and peaches and sunshine and lollipops. Like, none of that was happening here for the first few months of the season, as we know. But, you know, JT has been the one consistent player on this roster. Uh, Him, Quinn Hughes, and Thatcher Demko have been the picture of uh, consistency good yeah. consistency at yes. least um, not the other kind which was you know consistently bad uh, for some players on this roster for much of the first bit of the season but yeah JT when he was acquired I don't think you really expected him to become this point of game mm-hmm. leader on the team all of the things that he ended up Becoming for this roster. Yeah. But now it's it's like, okay, this guy is their top scorer. He plays in every situation. And he is kind of the rock on the ice from the forward group that this team. You know, he's developed into that that I don't think they expected when they even acquired
1: him. Yeah. He has become far a far bigger part of everything than it was expected when he was acquired. Because when he was acquired by the previous regime, he was brought in to supplement the young core, play alongside Elias Petterson be a complementary player to guys like Patterson, Horvat, Brock Besser, and Quinn Hughes coming in and add to that core. Well, he has become maybe the most pivotal forward on this group. So you're right. I mean, he's become a far bigger part of everything because he's been allowed to play in every situation here, right? He's playing on the PK, on the power play, five on five matchup, critical moments of the game. He is part of every single big moment this team plays in. And I'm sure that's a big part of why he's had success here and why he's really embraced the role. But I don't think anybody really expected that he would be as good as he's been. And a player like him, for instance, in this group right now, based on how they think, right? They're looking at it and saying, All we've done at the Boudreaux is essentially be a winning team. Yeah. We have got ourselves back into the playoff race. Why are people talking trades? Again, we can sit here and say it's part of business. And I don't really feel sorry for players, generally speaking, when it comes to trade talk. That's, hey, it's life, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's part of being a professional. But from their perspective, I'm sure they're sitting there and saying, this is frustrating because we're getting back into the playoff race, race, yet all we're seeing here is speculation about us potentially getting traded. I think that's what gets to these players right now. If they weren't winning under Boudreaux, I think maybe they'd be more understanding. I, I mean, that's my perspective on the outside looking in. Yeah, and if uh, you know, this core
0: wants to stay together, they got to prove that they are, uh, you know, good enough to be kept together. And uh, they've played really well under Boudreaux, and have to continue doing that on their push for the playoffs. Let's bring in our next guest. It is JT Miller, Canucks forward, and he joins us now. Thanks for this, JT. How are you?
2: I'm well. Thanks for having me, Russ.
0: Yeah, thanks for uh thanks for making a little bit of time. Uh Thatcher Demko shedding a little bit of light yesterday on uh, the spit and chicklets podcast of what it's kinda like behind the scenes. Says uh you and, and Connor Garland kind of keep things light. I I kinda wanna know what Thatcher's like in the room.
2: Um, he's pretty quiet, I'd say. He keeps to himself. He's pretty businesslike. That being said, you know, away from the rink, we've had to, a couple good nights together, I guess, and good dinners. And, um, you know, he's a good guy. good guy to be around, and he's obviously huge for our team.
1: Well, and, and of course, like he was talking about you and Connor Garland, and Garland, of course, came in, had a real hot start with the team, and he's a super exciting player. But what is he like off the ice? I mean, he seems like a guy that talks a lot and, and likes to get under people's skin a little bit, jokingly.
2: Oh, yeah, he's fun to banter with. Uh, he's quick-witted. Uh, he's a Boston guy, so they all just share each other's jokes anyway. So it's uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty routine stuff when it comes to that. But, um, you know, he's a big part of our team, too. We're happy to have him, and he's, uh, he's definitely good to uh, um, trip back and forth. with.
0: But... Have you seen dancing Demco? Is is that a thing uh, on a night out?
2: Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, he's got some uh, – he's pretty slick with the moves. He's pretty smooth, and, uh, you know, he can spit a little rap too, so it's uh, he's a smooth cat. Yeah, the goalies, they always got some quirks to
1: them, right? But, uh, you know, and, and as far as that mentality, you guys have talked about that, like trying to keep the mood light mm-hmm. as much as possible, trying to keep, you know, good perspective. It was a really tough start. But how has that kind of served you guys as far as the season's gone on and getting back into the kind of playoff race? Like how important was trying to keep that togetherness to some degree through everything?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're you always try and do you know, first and foremost, you're trying to bring your A game so you can win the hockey game. Um, but, you know, this is your family away from home. And, uh, you know, we try to stick together as much as we can, do as many dinners as we can. You know, we try to keep it light when it's time to keep it light. But at the same time, we know we have business to do. Um, you know, it's a long process. Every night's not going to go the way you want it to, but at least try to fall back on our, uh, you know, on a bit of a standard of working hard and being hard to play against and trying to take it game by game. Uh you know, road trips like these that are pretty fun, we've had four or five nights in New York City, so we've had to do uh, good dinners and good time with each other, and we're coming together even closer and closer. So it's an exciting uh, exciting part of the year. Obviously, it's a little uncertainty coming up in the next couple of weeks, but, you know, try to block that out and, and uh, try to worry about playing for each other.
0: What is this uh, What is this core? Like, what's really been the key under under Boudreaux? The results have, have really flipped, and you've got back into that playoff race, but what's what's kind of been the key uh, through all this under under Bruce Boudreaux?
2: I would think we've just been executing and, you know, working on a more nightly basis. Um, you know, I know that you know, it doesn't really say on our you know our penalty kill, but our penalty kill has been better since the first 15 games of the year. Um, you know, we've been keeping the puck out of the net more. We don't give up much five-on-five five when we're playing well. You know, and our power play is starting to get a little momentum right now. So, I mean, put all this together, it's hard to play against, right? So I think we've just been executing at a higher level and on a night, more nightly basis.
1: And uh, what's your take on on the fans really taking a liking to Boudreaux and and singing Bruce There It Is so often at the rink?
2: Well, it's a new new thing for them, right? So, I mean, they're going to obviously gravitate to anything that that they can with somebody new that comes in. Um, You know, the fans seem to love them, and, you know, it's nice to uh, hear when they're chanting because typically we're up late in the game. So uh, it's nice to hear that, but it's nice to play well at home lately. So we're trying to keep that going.
0: JT Miller, our guest. Uh, you, you talked last week about setting a new standard, and the team has put together a, a pretty good run here. But you know, each of the last three losses uh, were kind of blowout losses. Is, is there something there? Like w- what's happening in those games as they happen? Because it does feel at times there's there's some self inflicted wounds.
2: Yeah, we're just not you know we're not playing like NHL players should play uh, in those games. You know, it's unacceptable man to man. You know, as one of the leaders in the team, I feel a lot of you know weight on my shoulders when it comes to that. And you know, we can't let that happen if we want to be in the playoffs and play against the best teams. You know, the best teams don't give up three and four goals in the first period. Uh, we got to find a way to you know fall back on you know if you're not failing it, you got to work hard and play you know defend the middle of the rink and get pucks in and make them go 200 feet every time. Um, it's not necessarily a fun way to play sometimes, but you got to be able to be mature and, uh, and play a mature hockey game uh, as the best teams in the in the league do. So we got to find a way to eliminate that we know we can't let that happen again you know if that happens again this year you know we're we're going to be in trouble we all know that so um you know we had a good thing going there we try to be, be a little less volatile and a little more consistent i think
1: well and you know jt you guys have worked so hard to get back into the playoff race and to some degree you know trade rumors are something that happens in hockey but you know we've also heard how sick the team is getting of all that stuff so how frustrating has it kind of been to hear all this trade talk recently
2: uh, yeah, it's just annoying. Um, you know, I who knows what's actually going on back there. You I may mean, know a tweet here and there. I don't have it uh, Twitter or anything, but like you know, it seems like one or two guys tweet out something and the whole world seems to buy into it. So I mean it's just you know, we're trying to block that out. I'm sure it's harder for some guys too than, than others, but at the same time I, mean, I have a job to do and that's the last thing I'm worried about coming to the rink. Um, you know, I'm playing for this team and this is you know, where I'm trying to get wins every night with these guys. So that's the only thing I can worry about is, you know, what I can bring to the table to help our team win, and that's what I'm going to do moving forward.
0: Can it be a motivational factor in that? You know, if we want this group to stay together, we've we've got to keep the results going.
2: Yeah, I think everybody has understanding of what needs to happen. Um, you know, that shouldn't matter if that was the case anyway. We should be able to try to play the same way every single night, and that's playing the right way. So um, I think we should only have that mindset and playing the right way and winning hockey games, and it's going to make everybody look better at the end of the day. Well, and, you know,
1: personally on, on your end, I mean, you've had a lot of successes come over to Vancouver and we've kind of talked about well over a point per game player. The fans here love what you bring and you've talked about, you know, how much you've embraced a bigger role and we know you have another year left on your contract, but how much do you enjoy playing here and could you see yourself being here, you know, even beyond that long term?
2: Yeah, I mean, I obviously enjoy playing here. Um, this is, I've said before, this is a role that you know, I had a, a lower levels in my career and I really wanted to get to having this role of playing in all situations. And, you know, I'm emotionally engaged in every single situation in the game. And, um, you know, I love it. It's just, you know, I, I this year it's been, you know, from a personal standpoint, I'm more worried about getting more wins on the board right now. I think when I'm more winning, everybody looks better as I just alluded to. And, um, you know, I, am not worried about the future. I'm trying to worry about this season right now. And, um, And just try to go from there. You know, my my main focus is trying to get help this team as much as I can get into the playoffs, and you know that's kind of where we're at.
0: You know, you personally, your your offense has been pretty consistent all year, but we know it's been a struggle team wise to to get a lot of goals around. And at the same time, the team defensively has been one of the better ones. And you mentioned it earlier at five on five. Um, How do you maintain that and know that? Bruce has talked about it too. Like we've got to win games three, two, two, one. Uh, with the way that we've been going, uh, how do you maintain that level of focus defensively to to make sure that that's you know able to happen?
2: Well, I think when we're playing well, we're playing with the puck a lot. Uh, we're you know they're not getting a lot of time in our own end, and obviously that makes us look better on defense when we have the puck. So um, you know when we're all buying in and playing the right way, it seems like we're all coming back, stopping and playing physical and playing smart with our sticks and. You know that eventually makes us play more offense, and it's you know it's the fine line in a hockey game of looking good on defense and looking good on offense, right? So it's um, you know when we're on, we seem to be playing a lot more offense than D, and, and you know that being said, we keep a lot of pucks out of our net and uh, keep our great A chances down. Well, and and as far as possessing
1: the puck, even earlier this season when you guys were struggling, uh, you know, in the first 25 games, just looking at the actual puck possession, timed puck possession, you guys had the puck a lot, but you guys struggled to create high or good quality scoring chances from that. What's the change in being able to do so and also maybe that change in mentality to turn that possession into higher quality chances?
2: earlier in the year we couldn't do I mean, we couldn't do anything to win the game it felt like we were uh, shooting ourselves in the foot every single night our, our playing and trying to kill were not good at all and it felt like every single game was uh you know the special teams were our achilles heel and now i think that we've kind of you know our, we're still last in the league in the pk but we we're, ha- we're not we haven't been 68 or 70% you know in, in a while you know the last couple of games so I mean, we feel good about turning the corner in that regard but um, you know I just think that we're bearing down on our chances you know guys are scoring more goals and you know but I don't it, it's it's pretty it's pretty close to the way we we're playing earlier in the year I think we're just bearing down a little bit more on our chances uh,
0: an easy one before we let you go JT uh, we play on Wednesday something called overrated underrated uh, we give you a topic and you tell us if it's overrated or underrated pretty simple okay yeah uh overrated or underrated the black skate jersey uh underrated I heard you guys love it.
2: Oh, everybody loves it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it looked great against the Calgary Flames last week. Uh, JT, we really appreciate this. Uh, all the best for the rest of the road trip. All
2: right. Thanks for having us.
0: Uh, there is JT Miller, Canucks forward, uh, still loves the black skate jersey, calls it underrated here on an overrated, underrated Wednesday on Canuck Central.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, we've we've grown accustomed to hearing players talk about how much they love that jersey, so that was not completely unexpected, him loving the black skate jersey.
0: There was a lot in there with JT. Um, Hmm. We know the story about and the reporting of Elliot friedman that canucks players are tired of hearing the trade rumors and jt you know he kind of hinted at it earlier on in the conversation and then when you asked him directly sat his first initial answer is it's annoying um doesn't understand how things you know kind of go viral when trade rumors are spread on Twitter through various insiders, but also understands that uh, it's just part of the biz, so to speak, to uh, really paraphrase what JT said.
1: Yeah, and he mentioned how it does bother some people more than others, but he doesn't worry about it, doesn't have Twitter. He only focuses on doing what he can do and all that sort of stuff, but clearly it does kind of echo the frustration with some of that stuff being out there. And, you know, the way I asked the question, like we talked before, was are, yeah. is it extra frustrating because of how you guys are playing and being back in the playoff race, so to speak? And obviously they are frustrated by it. Now, what do we make of his answer on asking about whether he'd want to remain here long-term? Well, he said, he said a lot of good things about the role he's played here and how much yeah. he loves the role he's had here.
0: Uh, As this one texter uh, listening in live on the Dunbar Lumber text line, he blew off your question about re-signing here and said he wanted to focus on now and getting this team to the playoffs. Doesn't sound like a guy who wants to continue on here. And that's the ultimate pessimistic view of what JT had to say. But, yeah, he doesn't, you know wax poetic about how much he loves the city of Vancouver and would love to stay here a long time if that's what you were hoping to hear.
1: Yeah he didn't say that and like everything else he was trying to keep it to we're focused on right now trying to play now this season yada yada that's what he kept echoing even beyond the questions we asked about his future and everything else but it is quite the contrast from what Brock Besser said Mm -hmm. when he was asked about wanting to stay here And he said this is where he wants to be. He loves it here. The organization knows what this organization means to him. He was very, very, you know, outright in Mm -hmm. his want and desire to remain in Vancouver. That, wasn't echoed by JT Miller now just because a player doesn't say that doesn't mean the player doesn't want to be here and like we said his you can hear the tone in this conversation it wasn't like Mm -hmm. he came into this all jolly and happy to do this media thing you can tell he's annoyed by the media to some degree he's annoyed by some of the stuff going on and all they're worried about is trying to get back and win hockey games I think that's part of the conversation so let's let's not read too much to say oh he's not gonna stay here he doesn't want to be here but it is interesting when a player doesn't come out when he's presented the opportunity to say something like that right and part of it is you don't want to promise something because you still have a year left on your deal beyond Mm -hmm. this and you have to have those conversations with the team still in your family so i can understand but clearly it's not a situation where he's got it in his mind that he wants to tell everybody and they should know that he wants to stay here he knows all the trade stuff going on he knows people talking about it if you wanted to you could have said this is where where I want, where I want to be. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to stay here long term. That could have, he could have easily said that if you wanted to say it. Yeah, and then it uh
0: puts the narrative in his corner to a certain extent. Uh, you know, it not going to read into the things that JT did not say, but yeah, it does say a lot that he didn't come out and say that specifically. Um, it You know, it can be, and you've seen it with guys in the past, you know, big time players that are going into, and it usually happens when they are getting close to unrestricted free agency sat, not a year and a bit away. Uh, you know, Bo Horvat isn't being asked these questions constantly. Yeah. Uh, and he's in the same contract situation that JT Miller is, but he's just really become the focal point Because it's obvious there's interest around the league and to some extent there is or was a willingness to listen on the Canucks part at least a little bit on JT Miller more than Bo Horvat. So, you know, that's kind of where this currently stands and I get the frustration of it, but... As a team, as players, as professionals, as athletes making millions and knowing that the off the ice narratives and rhetoric are what fuels the business to a certain extent. You have to be able to expect and handle and still deliver while speculation is happening around you. That's just you know, that should be the bottom line as as a professional.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely, right? And uh, here is, it's interesting, listening to the reaction on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Brain O'Shea says, in regards to his answer about staying in Vancouver long term, that's not him saying he doesn't want to. That's him being a professional and focusing on the task at hand. Torgy says, I bet Miller doesn't know what he wants to do yet. Uh, Gurjeet says, guys, I'd rather have the answer JT gave than have what happened with Kyrie and Boston, saying he's going to re-sign them both the first chance he gets. That's Gurjeet. And others saying... John Tavares with the Islanders. Exactly. Uh, This one, wow. Talking about pouring oil on the fire. If you wanted the rumors to go away, he should have just said, yeah, I want to be here. That is Reg. Uh, And this one here says, guys, you're reading too much into nothing. Miller isn't going to wax poetic. This is the media attention that pushes the players' buttons. I mean, we asked a question. Yeah. We're talking about the answer he gave. Mm-hmm. And we're asking and we're debating. Like, listen, we asked a question. He gave the answer we're talking about. That's what interviews are. Yeah. We're not pushing any buttons. We asked a question. Do you want to stay here? And, and he gave a non-committal answer. And, and it's fair to ask after that yeah. what do you What do you make of that answer? Like I said, it doesn't mean he wants out, it doesn't mean he doesn't, he doesn't want to resign. But he had an opportunity to come out and, you know, quiet things in a big way and make it very clear what he wanted to do compared to the best way. And he didn't. That's all. Now yeah. you can read into that whatever you want to read into it, but it's fair to discuss something after we have the person on and ask them about it. Yeah. And
0: I do get like there is a part of uh the professionalism uh you know that that some of our listeners have brought up here that JT wants to keep the focus on the team but for a market that is wondering what his future looks like you're going to read into Him choosing to focus on the here and now and not about what he hopes to bring in the future. And there's a lot there, you know, there's a lot off the ice that goes into choosing where your future is and how your family feels about that and so many different factors. But there has been a lot of speculation about Miller and whether or not he is long for Vancouver. And that's not completely up to him at the end of the day. It's uh, also up to the team and what they see as part of their future. If the number that it's going to cost to keep JT here makes sense for them, if they believe it's just the time to move on because of where they are at in their cycle, whatever the reasons may be, this is – as of right now, um, a two way street and JT is playing as good as almost any other player in the league. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for a team not to want that guy to stick around given what he means to this roster right now. There's a lot of factors that go into whether or not his future is in Vancouver or not.
1: Yeah. And you know, like Torgy mentioned, uh, does Miller really know what he wants to do yet? I mean, I, I think this has been a tough season. There's yep. a new regime in place, right? And in two tough seasons. Two tough seasons, right. And there's a, he's in a situation where he can maximize. He has one big contract remaining, too. So let's be fair to, has this player made up his mind about what his future is going to be? And if he hasn't, why would he come out and give a commitment one way or another. And that's a fair thing to say. I mean, he's still a a year and a half away, right? From being an a unrestricted free agent. He's going to be 30 years old when that happens. It's his last chance to get a big contract. This is a big decision. It is a bit different than Brock, right? Because Brock is, you know, a guy who's 25. He has maybe one more contract beyond this. This is JT's last chance here. This is the one chance he has to write his ticket about where he wants to go. Does he want to stay here? Does he want to go elsewhere? So to be fair... He could just not have it figured out, and he's not going to be committal if he doesn't have it figured out.
0: It's uh, Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw. Keep the texts coming in. Uh, we are getting some uh, requests to replay uh, the answer from JT. Uh, we'll see if we can spin that around. Also had some really interesting takes on the blowout losses. Each of the team's last three losses – have been by blowout in those three games. They've given up 13 first period goals, kind of hard to win a hockey game. When you are trailing by multiple goals, many goals after 20 minutes of play JT's answer on that was pretty insightful and said, it's unacceptable and we can't let it happen again this season. We'll get into some of the other responses JT gave and what the rest of this season means and being back into the playoffs means for this club. It's Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw. This is Canucks Central. Canuck Central, Dan Riccio and Satiar Shaw. We are presented by your local Grip Auto entire location. Friendly service and expert advice are waiting for you at GripAuto.ca today. Hmm. JT Miller, filling up the uh, the text inbox. Sat. Oh yeah, and. Uh, We're getting asked why we are reading into or why we are discussing what JT Miller had to say about wanting to re-sign in Vancouver, and his answer was, well, let's hear the answer again so that uh, we can recap exactly what JT Miller had to say when asked uh, if uh, he sees his future long-term in Vancouver
2: yeah i mean i obviously enjoy playing here um this is i've said before this is a role that you know i had at lower levels in my career and i really wanted to get to having this role of playing in all situations and you know i'm emotionally engaged in every single situation in the game and um you know i love it it's just you know i i this year it's been you know from a personal standpoint i'm more worried about getting more wins on the board right now i think every, when i'm more winning everybody looks better as i just alluded to and um you know, I, I'm not worried about the future. I'm trying to worry about this season right now and um, and just try to go from there. You know, my, my main focus is trying to get help this team as much as I can get into the playoffs. And, you know, that's kind of where we're at.
0: I'm not worried about the future. I'm worried about the here and now. Mm-hmm. And, look, he's been in the crosshairs of trade rumor for the last number of months He's a year and a bit away from unrestricted free agency. There's a lot that's gone on off the ice with Miller. But at the same time, he's been able to keep it professional, play like one of the best players in the league the whole time through, and he's choosing to keep his focus on the ice, but at the same time, that is a non-committal answer about whether or not he sees his future here in Vancouver. And why are we talking about it, Sat? Well, when uh, JT Miller talks, people are going to discuss what he had to say. That's kind of how uh, Sports Talk Radio works for those asking why we're talking about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, JT, uh, he he's always willing to come out and talk, right? Like, he's one of those guys that has always been available, even when they've lost. I mean, even yeah. last year, I remember we talked so much about how he came out and he was always available to talk about these things. When and... he has something to say, he wants to get out and give
0: that message. And I feel like he wanted to talk about the trade rumors Um and maybe not so much about uh, his future in Vancouver beyond
1: this season. Well, and – he did mention how much he loved the role and how much he loved playing what he does. He doesn't want to get into anything beyond this year. And, like we kind of mentioned, there's a lot of uncertainty still, mm-hmm. right? You want to be somewhere, but again, you're talking about it's a lot later in your career, too. You have one final contract remaining to figure out, and how much does that drive you? Where does location matter for you and your family? Is there some place someplace you else you'd like to play in your 30s, or whatever it is? And I think there are a lot of things to kind of keep in mind here, and he's at a point where he doesn't want to commit. And I think he's not going to be—he's not a guy that comes out— and says something if he doesn't mean it. So I will give JT that credit. Like He had a chance to come out there and say something, and he could have easily come out and said, yeah, I want to stay here. Uh, I love this city, and I'd love to be here long-term. And maybe he didn't mean that, but he'd just come out and say it just to quell it. But he's not that type of guy. So I will give him credit, because he knows people will speculate on what he says, but he will say what he thinks, and he's yeah. going to be honest about it.
0: The thing about it, you know, with JT, he came in and earned the role that he now has, right? Like he wasn't uh, playing every situation right out of the Mm get-go. He wasn't essentially the um, second quarterback on the power play to Quinn Hughes when this whole thing started here. So a lot of what he's done, he has earned. And I do think that's a great example for – a lot of the younger players on this roster has it always worked are we seeing the younger pl- younger players come along as as you may have hoped not always but i do think jt has set a great example and the standard that he talks about setting is something you know he has kind of done himself because, okay, yeah, he'll have the frustrating turnover now and again. And and those things have been a part of his game at different points. But for the most part, JT, he's earned the role he's got here in Vancouver. And he's so good that at times you will live with the odd mistakes that he does make. Because in the end, you're generally coming out ahead with JT Miller on the ice. You know, he's he's got to be the guy that sets that standard because you know he is the top player on this roster right now
1: he is and the the thing though is and this is a bigger question overall what about the mix what mm-hmm. is off about the mix how much of this group is they're not good enough and how much of it is the mix just does not fit yesterday on yesterday's show Izzy and I really kind of got into the um Lack of long-term fixtures for guys like Pedersen and Horvat if they're going to be here long-term as your one and two centers, like who do you play them with? And the contrast, JT Miller, Dan, anybody he plays with, he has a lot of success with. That that's happened. Like it doesn't matter who you play him with as long as a top-six guy, it works. This year, you so start going through Horvat and and Elias Pedersen and their most common line mates. They've had a big revolving door. Like Besser and Miller, even though they're not playing together as of now, they played over 460 minutes together at five-on-five. Yeah. You go through Bull Horvath and and Pedersen's wingers. They played about two hundred and odd some minutes with a lot of guys. And Pedersen's most common mate line mate this year, believe it or not, is Brock Besser. But it's two hundred and forty minutes. Yeah. And whereas Besser's played four hundred and sixty minutes with J T. Miller. And there there's been a real hard. Been, they've had a hard time figuring out what the best fit here is. And even beyond that, how much of that leadership group and that kind of culture setting. Also needs to change as far as the leaders are concerned. JT's been the most important one. He's been their most important and best leader. But what does that say about the team? When he's not the captain, he's been the most important and most, yeah, you know, outspoken leader. And he also can be a volatile person. So that also kind of tells you about this team needing to build a far better leadership group. Can they do it from within? Do they have it within themselves? Or does the mix have to change?
0: Is that dependent on. Pedersen, Hughes taking that step off the ice to become bigger leaders. I don't know if they necessarily have it in them. Like, you think about Horvat, Besser, Pedersen, and Hughes. Like, those guys, um, alongside Miller, are kind of the guys, right? They are the ones that set the tone, they are the top players. They are the core of this roster. When four of your five core players are kind of understated like that, this team needs to have one or two of them become, you know, more vocal leaders, it mm-hmm. feels like. And I think that will eventually fall on Pedersen and Hughes just in the fact that, you know, they are the top players and the two franchise cornerstones that they are building around.
1: And I do believe one of the things we talk so much about Dan is like the whole alpha personality stuff and who's the alpha of the group and all that sort of stuff. And those things do matter, but I I've talked to a lot of people kind of about locker room dynamics recently. I'm trying to get an idea about this. because We talk about it so much, right? With current players, former players trying to get a sense of these types of dynamics and, and how does the hierarchy type of work And with the younger guys, it's really interesting. They don't really view it as a hierarchy. Like they don't view it as, oh, just because you're the so-called alpha, I got to listen to you. I wouldn't roll like that. Yeah, I don't care who the alpha is. Like you're not gonna reach me being that way. Like whatever. So it's it's been more about a collective kind of group. A more cohesive type of way to approach things, and yeah, you have guys who are, you know, the leadership group that have a C and A on their jersey, but this kind of outwardly like alpha type of, you know, I'm going to grab you by the scruff of the neck and follow along in this type of deal, it's not as effective. And when we look at how does those dynamics work, it's more about a group than in one individual. And sometimes you kind of wonder. How does that kind of not work and coalesce within some groups? And how do you bridge that type of gap where you have an old school nature to how some guys lead and a newer or a different approach to the younger guys and how they lead? And one of the biggest dynamics that teams have had to kind of go through is that locker room dynamic in many cities, like case in point being in Winnipeg. Now, Winnipeg's was a lot more different than a lot more layered with how players didn't get along and how things happened. But I think that's the best case that I was kind of referred to as a team with a lot of talent, but the mix just didn't click. And it should have, but a lot of the issues they had was the group did not coalesce well. Because you had a group of players that thought a certain way, and then you had an old-school way of approaching things from your older veterans, and they did not mesh well together.
0: You You have to be able to work together, right? And be able to push each other. You know, there's. I don't know if there's like one guy has to be raw raw, but I, I, I just do feel, um, you know, the leadership group, and I think this speaks to the recent results. Needs to still develop, to some extent, and I know the conversation has been around, Bo Horvat a lot today, on the station. And in recent weeks, you know, we've talked about it with Yannick Hansen last Friday, and in the past. Look, Horvat wears the C. A lot of this is going to fall on him, but J.T. Miller also took that upon himself when he spoke with us today in setting in saying, you know, I'm I got to be one of the guys on this team. Yeah. I got to. I got to be that guy that sets the standard. I'm a part of the leadership group. I'm a big part of the leadership group, and I know that. So when we have the types of results like we did, he didn't say so specifically with the Devils and Ducks and Islanders, but that's what the question was referring to. I feel like that's on me, and that's on my shoulders. That Part of that does lay on me. And I feel like what we've seen, especially recently with the – hey, we're playing pretty good, and then a total dud of a result mm-hmm. is kind of where this team is at in still setting its leadership group or having its leadership group be more stable
1: within yeah. the group. And and that's you know the question they have to ask themselves. How much of this is something they can grow into and how much of this is the mix has to change? And they are aware, though, of these pitfalls. I mean, JT himself said, I mean, they can't afford another one of those
2: Performances, done. yeah,
1: you're done. I mean, it's a high wire act at this point, right? I mean, we even talked about how before that last game against New Jersey and why it was so disappointing, is because you can only lose about you know nine more games the rest of the season. Now we talked about heading into that game how if you want to get to about ninety four points, you kind of have to win eighteen out of your final twenty eight games. Well, now you've lost one of those games. That means the rest of the season you can only lose nine out of your final 27 games. And you lost against a team that on paper you should have beaten. So that means you got to go win another game that's probably not an easy one to win to make up for it. And that's what JT to some degree is alluding to that you can't have another one of those stinkers or one of those games against a team you should be able to beat because it's so hard to recover from it. You have to go on a three-game winning streak to recover from that Anaheim loss just to get yourself back to a position where you're in the race again. Um.
0: The, the whole idea of, you know, the standard, the culture, and the slow starts sat. Um, Bruce Boudreau talked about it today, and uh, it's quoted in the province. But they've allowed, in the eight regulation losses they have under Boudreau, they've allowed 23 goals in the first period. It's all about those slow starts. And I know 13 of them have come in the last three regulation losses they've had. Um, So it maybe tilts the scale on that stat a little bit, given that so many came in the last three. But it's a huge issue for this team. And something JT talked about is something we've talked about with Yannick. Like when you don't have it, you've still got to find a way to make the right plays and just play a mature game be difficult to break down and find a way to grind it out and that's what this team hasn't been able to do and it has given itself a lot of self-inflicted wounds
1: yeah and that's why you know I'm kind of stuck as far as evaluating this team to some degree and trying to figure out how much of this is really a low roster issue or mix issue I keep going back to that mix issue because there's no reason why you should have this inconsistent of a start now I can accept if your team is not good enough and I can get that sure and perhaps they're not good enough to some degree right yeah. I mean depending on what, what, what you're trying to compare them to they're not good enough compared to the top teams in a league of course over the four full course of a season can they be a team that gets anywhere from 90 to 94 points and makes the playoffs yeah I mean they've shown they can do that yeah. but that's kind of their peak but to do so you have to be a bit more consistent as a team but I just keep kind of going back to if everything isn't right as far as the mix and how things are going. And nothing's ever going to be right. But if if everything is clunky, well, at times when things are clunky, you get on a bit of a rhythm and it rolls just fine. But as soon as it kind of stops, it takes a while to get that engine going again. And if you don't have perfect fits and if there isn't enough harmony of how things come together with a certain group then you're going to have inconsistent moments. And ultimately, that means you're not good enough because you're not getting results. But is it truly because you don't have talent or because they're just not coming together the way you want? Like, why is Pedersen and Besser struggling to this degree together? I mean, it's not just like they're struggling. I looked at their goals for percentage, and this is the most common line mate for Elias Pedersen. is less than one goal for per 60 together. I mean, he's getting 2.34 with Hoaglander. Now, the flip side with Hoaglander, there's yeah. also been 2.34 goals against, and that's kind of been the problem there for him. <laughs> the most successful line mate he's had is Colson yeah. where he's about 2.8 goals for per 60 and only 0. 0.9 against per 60. That's been the best combo. But why is it not working with Besser anymore? These guys used to be tight. And I'm not trying to sit here and say they're not friends or anything, but, like, why is that not working? And why, when is uh, asked about Pedersen, he says, well, he's playing with guys he's friends with. Yeah. Why? And I get he's trying to get the most out of a guy, but what's going on here? What is going
0: on with that? Um, Look, not everybody's going to be your best bud. You still got to be able to, like, make it work in your workplace, right? You may not love everybody you work with, but you have to find a way to make it work, and not to say that that is the issue between those two specific players, but it is odd the way that whole thing has played out, and then the comment about... Nils and and Pedersen being besties, and he kind of confirms that, that Nils is the guy he hangs out with the most, Mm -hmm. and all of these different types of things. The one thing I will say about the results with Pedersen and Besser, they haven't gone back to it since Pedersen has really found himself again. I wonder why. You know, even today, with line rushes, Pedersen was rolling out with Connor Garland and a mix of Phil DiGiuseppe and Nils Hoglander. So even still, Pedersen is not getting that look with, with Besser, or they're not going with that. They've gone back to Pearson Miller-Besser as potentially the top line for this group. So I, I just wonder why that is, why they haven't, like, hey, you just spelled out the numbers. They're not working together, so why go back to it? But now that Mm Pedersen is playing well again, why not try to see if they can find some magic like they had in Pedersen's rookie year?
1: Well, I'm with you. We're trying that out, right? The one guy, though, I want to see Pedersen play with more, especially now, to try to figure out the future with, is Connor Garland. He is playing with him today. And you know how we talked about how we want to see Pedersen more, play with Connor Garland more? I was surprised at how much Pedersen has played with Connor Garland. Not that much? No, no. I mean, it's it's because as we sp- spoke about before, Besser and Miller have been common duo. Yeah. And they played over 460 minutes together. That shows you how much a common duo should be playing together. They, and they've still been split apart the past few games. And still, there are a lot of minutes of five on five they've shared together so far. That's t- the type of share you want to see for a duo that's consistent. Well, the highest duo he, Pedersen, sad, like I mentioned, 242 for Besser, Connor Garland, 233 minutes. Hmm. So there's been a fair sample size with Connor Garland, but not a lot since Pedersen's gotten hot. And that's kind of what we talk about here, right? And together, the goals for percentage is 2.83 for Garland and 2.06 against when they're together. So this has worked in the sample they've been together. And I'm glad they went back to it because as this team is also trying to figure out Connor Garland's spot on this team long term. And again, I'm not sure how he fits in. We've yeah. talked about this. I mean, the writing's kind of been on the wall about what they see him and view him as. Boudreaux's been honest about it, too. He doesn't play more than a second-line player. But don't you want to explore to see if there could be more with Garland and Pedersen? Because if there is, then it's maybe you can use him more than a second-line guy. Maybe this can be a fit long-term that can really explode. That's what I think you have to really, really explore here before the deadline.
0: I think the uh, as much as I've liked Garland, the the idea that the fit hasn't really been there, has lingered for most of the season mm-hmm. um, with Garland. And I think it's not necessarily intensified, but it's certainly been a little bit more pronounced with the regime change, too, and some question marks, Garland's name coming out in the rumor mill and some different things there. I... <sighs> I, I just want to see Pedersen play with Pod Colson and and Garland. I'd like to see Pedersen back with with Besser at some point too. Try it out, see where you get your best mm-hmm. offense out of because at the end of the day, that's what this is about. And Nils Hoglander ain't it. And I wouldn't be surprised, Sat, if uh with Phil Di Giuseppe taking part in line rushes today, Boudreaux said he is not made a decision yet on who will be in the lineup tomorrow but it's pretty clear Nils Hoglander might be it might be on the outside looking in again
1: it, it could very well be and we were talking about this um you know a, after the game on Monday and especially about that mistake he made on the second goal the Myers goal he blew the zone and that yeah. turnover but we talked about that sequence but like we not going like gonna like that man and people got mad at us like why are you guys always harping on Hoaglander I'm like Bro, all I'm doing is pointing out something that happened the coach is not going to like. And he might scratch him because of it. And look, lo and behold, he might get scratched because of not just that mistake, but it is kind of indicative of what the coach wants to see from him and what he's not providing.
0: And he got bumped off of uh, Pedersen's line after that, too. Plus, Garland made a very specific comment after the game that was clearly – he didn't name any names, but we all know who it was – kind of talking about when he mentioned, you know, we're blowing the zone way too early and not giving our defensemen anyone to pass to.
1: Yeah. So that was very evident yeah. about how these are things you can't do. And the reality is, if you go through the underlying numbers for Hoaglander, they've been very positive. He's creating chances, right? I mean, the expected numbers are all positive. The chance differential is positive. Like, he's doing a lot of good things. But when you're not scoring and when you're a dash seven, and I'm not a big, you know, plus minus guy, but the way the coach views is, and he kept saying this, you're not finishing your chances and you're hurting us defensively. And perhaps you you deserve better balances, and perhaps you should have more production than you've had and you have been snake bitten, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because you're not scoring and you're making mistakes that are costing us.
0: It's kind of the old Nikolai Goldobin conversation. To
1: some degree, right? But I, I think there's more to Hoaglander, right? Yeah. And, he, and I think the numbers are even more impressive of what he can yes. do. And I think there's more there that can sustain and be 100%. good long-term.
0: And he actually, like, Put a decent
1: season yeah, on tape exactly. for but, a full year. But the thing for him is going to have to be, or what I believe Boudreaux is trying to get across to him here is, when you're not scoring, you can't hurt us. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's one thing if you're scoring, and you're making these mistakes, or you're blowing the zone. I can live with that when you're putting the puck in the net. But when you're not, I can't have that, man. Yeah. And that's essentially what he's trying to say. In that moment, they're proved it. That's a game where... You can't make that mistake, man. Like, I know you're creating, you hit the post, you did other things, but you're not scoring, so you definitely can't be blowing the zone. Yeah,
0: in a one nothing game on the road on the second half of a back-to-back. I mean, it's just not great. And uh, the Canucks are looking to continue to set that standard. And as Miller told us earlier in the hour, uh, you've got to make the mature play and find ways to get things done. Uh, as JT had... Uh, Oh, really, really good talk with us uh, earlier on in the program. We appreciate him joining us and being uh, as candid as he was. Uh, All right, coming up, Hour 2 of Canucks Central. We'll get into the rumor mill. David Pignotta of the fourth period joins us and uh, his take on Canucks players not loving the fact that they are in the rumor mill and more. It is Canucks Central on Sportsnet 650.